Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 61. I want to thank you for taking the time to join me on this episode. I pray that it is an encouragement. Uh, I pray that it inspires you to explore the the majesty and, and the power of God's Word. I'm thankful to all of the listeners in other countries. Um, I welcome you. This is exciting to consider that we are united through a family of God and those maybe who find themselves with a curiosity of the things of the Lord. I pray this brings you into an accelerated place of knowing God through Jesus Christ. So we'll just jump in. Today... I am going to be sharing something that I was able to see today, this morning, in some of my quiet time with the Lord. Um, there's um, a preacher that was speaking on something, and and it, it stimulated a, a thought. And as I pursued that thought, this is the, the fruit of what came through that exploration. So... I want to share several scriptures because I want to paint a more kind of thorough picture. The beauty of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they share perspectives that have small nuances of differences between them. And some people find that to be frustrating because they say, well, you know, what I read in Matthew is slightly different in Luke. And rather than let that type of thing be a frustration, let it be an encouragement because it's not a cookie cutter experience. Remember, these disciples are writing based on what they observe. So there has to be nuances, uh, differences in how they perceive things because remember, they are seeing through their eyes. And no one shares the exact same perspective. So how you see a situation and report on it will be very different than how I see a situation and report on it. So when you when you come across those little differences where there was one person in this or there was two people here or this person spoke or that person spoke, just remember it's not a discrepancy which invalidates them it actually reinforces the validity of, of the truth of what they're reporting because they're reporting it based on what they see. And we all have this lens by which we see. We process information differently. So if you have several witnesses to a particular situation and they present the exact to the T uh, detailed information, then there is very much reason to question whether or not those individuals came together, conspired to reveal a certain thing. So there, there is always and there will always be some subtleties 
to how we perceive things. So just segue into that. And that leads me to why I want to to share the same scene, but in different gospel writers' books, because it helps to paint a more thorough or holistic view of what is happening. And what I really want to accentuate here is the Passover meal in which Jesus and his disciples partake of this bread. And what I want to portray is something comes by way of this fellowship, this partaking of the bread. And there are two completely different results that come out of that that fellowship, that partaking. So let's go into scripture. Let's read some of these. And then I will, by the help of uh, the Holy Spirit, piece together what it is that I have in my heart to, to share. So we're going to start first in Luke chapter 22. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. And then I'm going to jump in verse 14 through 20. So it says, Now the festival of unleavened bread, called the Passover, was approaching. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Jesus went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard, and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Next, we're going to skip down to verses 14, read through 20. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Okay. So we find the disciples here in this last supper, this Passover meal. And we find them receiving both drink, wine, and bread. And we next will go into Mark 14 because I want to I want to highlight something additionally that we get here in Mark that we didn't see in Luke. So it's Mark 14. So we still have this same, there's a Last Supper here, Passover meal, and it highlights 
many of the things that we said. In addition, verse 26, he's, it is said that when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So his disciples, again, this is in chapter 14, they partake of the bread, the, the wine, the fellowship of communion. And after they had done so, they had sung a hymn. They went out to the Mount of Olives. So we find here uniquely in Mark and that we don't see in Luke that there was worship. They sung a hymn. Now, this is more than just spouting out words from a written document. They are expressing worship. Okay, so next uh, I want to go to Matthew. And it's chapter 26. And we're going to start in... Verse not around verse 19. So Jesus had just instructed his disciples to go into the city and to, to organize this meal location that had already been predetermined and it had already been prepared. So it says in verse 19, So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. So here is the following passage expressing very similar to what we have read in the other gospel accounts. While they were eating, verse 26, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, verse 30, we see they had sung a hymn as well. So Matthew expresses this act of worship in in the in this consummation of this receipt of bread okay so i'm going to share a couple other scriptures but i want to just kind of bring this back into maybe where am i going or what am i wanting you to really lay hold of so far, I want you to see that we have this encounter happening. The disciples are with Jesus, and they are eating bread 
that he gives them. Now remember, this is more than just a physical act, though it is a physical one. It is also a spiritual one that they are partaking of. Remember, too, that Jesus is the bread of life. Remember when some of the crowd was speaking to Jesus of our forefathers got bread or manna from heaven, and Jesus corrects their thinking and said, Moses did not give it to them, but the Father. And and then he parallels himself with eternal bread or the bread of life who is there before them now. So remembering that as Jesus is breaking the bread and giving it to his disciples, they are partaking of life, his body, the bread. Now, we have two polar individual or groups of individuals. We have, on one hand, the disciples, his faithful followers, and then we also have Judas, who we know betrays the Lord. Now, we're going to, we're going to see that in, in, in just a minute, but I want to highlight another scenario of partaking of bread. And this will go back into Luke chapter 24, and it will be verses 30 through 31. So Luke 24, verses 30 through 31. Now, here we find ourselves, there are two disciples that are traveling to Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And we know in this chapter, in this section, they are discussing with, with a man who is walking with them, who we know to be Jesus, although his identity was veiled to them. They could not perceive him to be who he was. But they were discussing of the things that, were, that had happened, i.e. Christ's death and this, this sadness that they were experiencing. But as Jesus is walking them through the Old Testament of prophesying of the things that in which was prophesied that would point to Christ, he was opening their eyes to them, to all the things. It says in verse 27, beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus was revealing himself through the scriptures, through Moses and the prophets. Now, as, as night was coming and they were getting closer to their, the place in which they'd stay, they urged this man, whom they did not yet know, to stay with them. So Jesus went in to stay with them. Now here is where I want you to really pay close attention to and see some connections made. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, Jesus gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. 
Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. There was an exchange of bread. And when Jesus broke it and gave it to them, they received it. Their eyes were opened to see him for who he was. There is a transaction that is happening in that moment. And it's involving the breaking of bread and the receiving of this bread. Jesus being the giver and these two disciples receiving this gift. And in doing so, they the lights turn on essentially for them in their hearts and they see him for who he is. So this begins to beg the question in, in my heart, what exactly is happening inside of this, I'll call it a transaction, an encounter involving this bread? Now, I want to highlight the polar opposite. So we find in Luke chapter 22, as I read earlier, it says in verse 3, Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard, how he might betray Jesus. So, moving into this Last Supper, whom we know Judas was present for, it had already been developing in the heart of Judas what he would do. And we find that explicitly here, Luke writes in verse 3, that Satan enters into Judas. Now, John gives us a unique a unique moment, a unique uh, happening in John chapter 13, verse 26 through 27. And Jesus is here explaining to them, predicting that he will be betrayed. And, and, he, and he tells them that it will be of one of those who are close to him. Now, in verse 26, Jesus answers, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Pay close attention to this part. Verse 27, As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. Now, this is, this is unique because as I've showed you before, we had a transaction happening on the other side of an exchange of bread. His disciples, those who were true to him, faithful to him, they remember they, they, partook of this special um, communion. And after its completion, they sung hymns, they worshiped. Here, 
and and then also not forgetting the the two on the Emmaus road, the bread exchange, the lights came on, and they could see Jesus for who he was. So we have those those specific examples of something special that happened. But here, John shows us that when an exchange happened of bread to Judas, Satan entered him. Now, so that was a negative exchange that occurred as it relates to this bread exchange. So, his bread, so we're talking his bread, the bread of Christ, his bread and your engagement, remember the Emmaus Road, Jesus broke it, gave it to them, they took it. So there is an engagement. Your, you engage, he provides. So his bread, Christ's bread and your engagement releases destiny, design, and intention. Judas and the disciples both took of the bread, but one received vision to see who Jesus was, and the other, Satan, entered. When you face the bread, the word, the reality of the truth that's in you is revealed. Remember in Luke 22, we find an account that Satan entered into Judas as he then entered into the encounter of communion and the, and the bread given to him. John tells us Satan entered him there. This isn't a discrepancy. This is two, two unique times of of a of a revelation of what's inside the heart of Judas. So when we face the bread, the word remember the the word made flesh, Jesus is the bread of life. He is the word. So we we understand the bread as a parallel to also not not just the physical body of of Christ but also as the word so when you face the bread the word the reality of the truth of what's in you is revealed the intention of Judas's heart in that moment became externalized and he was given over to Satan. Remember, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus had their eyes opened to see Jesus for who he was. The disciples at the table, they got to have further insight into the person of Jesus. When you come face to face with the bread, the word, there is no middle ground. Now here, I'm also being explicit, the word, the word of God, the Bible, not just the pages in between two ends that we call the Bible, 
but I'm talking about the living word that lives inside of the text. It's more than text. Jesus actually painted that picture to those he, and when, he, when he chastised the religious leaders and he said, you search the scriptures because in them you think there's life, but it is they that testify of me. So we must come to this place where we understand the Bible is more than a book of do this, don't do this. It itself is a testimony of Jesus. Knowing the word allows us to know the word Christ more thoroughly, more completely, more accurately. So when you come face to face with the word, the bread of God, the bread come down from heaven, there is no middle ground. And the truth of what's inside you becomes exposed to the light of God that is Christ, the word, the bread of life. The word of God penetrates between bone and marrow, dividing both soul and spirit. The word, the bread, it cuts and it reveals who you are. When you consume the word, it reveals the condition of your heart. When you partake of the Lord, he releases you to your purpose, to your destiny. It opens the doorway to purpose. Now, this may cause you to start questioning, well, how was Judas released to, to destiny. We know by the scripture, uh, this is, I believe, Psalm 41, 9, which says, even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread has turned against me. We also see in Psalm 109, verse 8 that says may his days be few may another take his place of leadership peter actually quotes this in acts 120 so we have some prophetic utterance of of this this thing that would come to pass and jesus actually in his prayer in john 17 I'll just flip to it real quick. Verse, looks like 12. Jesus is praying his prayer for his disciples. He says, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. What scripture? I believe it's this Psalm 41, 9. Psalm 109.8, there's probably other ones. But we know by Scripture that has been foretold in this Old Testament that none would be lost except the man destined for destruction. Now, this is hard for us to accept, hard for us to understand, including myself. However, there is a man that was destined for destruction. Jesus says so himself. A man intended to betray our Lord. 
We see that in the writings in Psalms. Now, if this makes you a little nervous, good. It should cause us to search our heart to see where we find ourselves standing. This may make you then ask, to what purpose is one, is a person, to try to come against destiny, against intention of God? I truly believe that the kindness of God can shift realities present here in dimensions that we cannot see, we cannot understand. Let me offer this as a a possibility, something to consider, something that I believe to be true. No doubt is there a man destined for destruction. The scriptures tell us this, it is explicit, but they do not tell his name. Could it be that Judas faced a decision in which he came into agreement with the enemy and cooperated with a destiny that he could have avoided? Now, I believe it's maybe Jeremiah, um, one of the Old Testament prophets, but it says, to what, uh, to what right does the pottery have to say to its potter, to its maker, how, why did you make me the way you made me? Perhaps uh, Paul, maybe I spoke of this in the New Testament, referencing it. However, this isn't, uh, this isn't to, to come against God's intention and what he ultimately, I believe it's in one of the later uh, Psalm chapters, but it says God does as he pleases. You know, who are we to question what God does? But I do believe that it pleases the heart of God to seek to understand the things that he does. So could it be that Judas faced a decision in which he came into agreement with the enemy and cooperated with a destiny that he could have avoided? Now, this does seem contrary to this idea of destiny. If, if a person's destiny is destined, then how could there even be an alternative? Do you see that there, there is, a, there is a, an oppositional struggle with that philosophical reality? If, if an alternative exists, how could it then be a destiny? But we do see throughout Scripture that God's intention is actually rerouted and an alternative ending occurs many times throughout the Old Testament in Israel's own path. God, God intended to do something to bring about judgment, but through the mercy, through the intercession of Moses, God changes his mind. He relents. I think it was even maybe King Hezekiah, the king who was um, Elijah, Elisha, was going to, uh, who actually did proclaim to, the, to this king and said, you will die. But this king pleads and prays to the Lord 
and God grants him extra life. So we do see through scripture that God's intention can actually be rerouted. He can change his decision. And it is through the kindness and mercy of God. So we see God's intention was redirected. I, I encourage us to look at our lives. If this, if this causes you this idea of releasing destiny and design and intention, if it causes you to look inward and, and find yourself in a place of worry that you could perhaps come into an agreement with the plans of the enemy, then we should seek the Lord with all of our heart, rely on his kindness, ask of his kindness in our petition so that perhaps he too will redirect the path of our life. So I think there's something, there's something very powerful inside the release of bread that we read of here. Also the word of God. There is something powerful that happens when an exchange comes about where he, God releases the bread and we receive of the bread. We partake of it. And we see here these two examples, two differing examples of, of a group who would bring the bread to themselves and partner with this bread, with this life called Jesus. And then we see one who took this bread in, but it revealed the condition of his heart. It revealed and released this destiny, this design, this intention over his life, in, even in a negative way. So what can we do with this? I think, I think first and foremost, we must realize the significance that is obtained or experienced inside of this transaction of our reaching out to Christ and Him reaching in to us. There is an unexplainable, um, explosive opportunity inside of that exchange. First, I pray that we, we realize that for ourselves in our own lives, and then we can be also a catalyst of sharing that opportunity with the world, with all of those around us. And then I hope this also helps to cause those who would find themselves in this place of unknowing, unsurety of where they stand in relation to this bread of life called Christ. Where do, where do I stand in terms of destiny, design, intention? What is my assurity of my relationship to this bread called Jesus Christ? Because there is an exchange available. And where do I fall? What side do I 
take of, am I like the disciples, true followers of Christ who would, who would find themselves in this place of worship through this encounter? Or do I find myself like Judas in this place of being given over to and being filled of or with by Satan? I pray that this causes us to search these things out in our hearts and that I pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal that condition to you, that you would see your desperate need, our desperate need for the sweet love and kind fierceness of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. May we see our need for him and may we reach out, be given the grace to reach out even as it reshifts our paths and in the loving kindness of God, we would have a unquenchable roaring fire develop in the inner garden of our hearts to seek God with all of our hearts, to recognize our desperate need for his reaching out to us and our laying hold of him. I pray that this draws you to a place of awareness, that, that you recognize the fierce love of God. And even as, even as we reach out, to him, trusting and believing that he, through his love and kindness and mercy and tenderness, can redirect our paths for, for and to the glory of his name. So I thank you for taking the time to, to listen, to follow this. Um, I bless you. I pray that it minister to your heart. Um, and I pray that it helps to, to bring about or unearth the beauty and excitement that is in God's word. So I bless you. And until next time, God bless. If it means that I'm close to you, I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here with you.